Am I Reister or am I wrong? Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott's grift just caused 88 more people to lose their jobs. The LA Clippers are terrified of Luka Doncic. Marcus Morris even stepped on his injured ankle to try to get the man out. I get why the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics are considering boycotting their game one after Jacob Blake's shooting, but it's a bad idea. It's also amazing for me to see how difficult it is for some people to have conversations about race and America. And I have a parting shot about Pandemic P versus Playoff P. Am I Reister or am I wrong? Is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet. Daily Fire. Actually, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Facts only. Check your feelings at the door. This ain't the place for the left, the right, snowflakes, or social justice warriors. And absolutely no BS because I keep it 100. You guys, make sure that you guys leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, share We grew over 40% last month thanks to you guys. If you guys want to get in touch with me, shoot me an email, gwpodcast at unafraidshow.com. Make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend. If you're watching it on YouTube, like, thumbs up, hit the notification bell, subscribe, all of that stuff. And if you want to listen to me as well, tune in to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast that I do with Ralph Amsden or Fox Sports Radio Sundays 2 to 5. And this week I'll be on the odd couple 4 to 7 filling in. But we are going to start with the grifter himself, Larry Scott and the Pac-12. Because he called an all-staff meeting for later today, which is Wednesday. And 88 Pac-12 staffers were laid off this morning. And... Here's the thing. If Larry Scott were a plant from the SEC to mess up the Pac-12, what would he have done differently than what he's done already? He's the highest paid commissioner in the conference, in out of all the Power Five conferences. The lowest amount of revenues distributed to each school, highest operating cost by six, seven times at least, and he's laying off 88 people instead of doing something smart, like maybe moving the headquarters out of San Francisco, where it has the highest real estate, one of the highest real estates in the entire country, to an affordable location. In July, the conference said that they were going to decrease expenses by 9%, reduction of salaries over $100,000. That's five to, well, there's taking in between five to 10% cuts. Do you realize how bad that is? Because none of the people in management were the people who were fired. Hmm. I wonder why. So Larry Scott makes $5.4 million. He's got a $1.9 million loan that he hasn't paid back from the Pac-12. He has, he agreed to take a 12% pay cut because of the pandemic to a modest $4.66 million, which still makes him the highest paid commissioner. Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, $4.5 million. Uh, Bob Bowsley of the Big 12, four. Uh, John Swafford of the ACC, 3.8. Greg Sankey of the SEC, 
$2.6 million. And think about this. Let's compare it to what the conferences distribute to each school. Big 10, last, well, this year, is going to, well, last year, is going to distribute $55.6 million to each school. The SEC, 45.3. The Big 12, 40 million. The Pac-12, 32.2. And the ACC, 31 million for last year. But it's going to go dramatically up because of the ACC's new network deal. Do you realize how bad that this is? Because it is a crime. Larry Scott has two jobs, essentially. He's the commissioner of the Pac-12, and he's supposed to head the Pac-12 networks, which is a terrible business move. Because the model is saying that we own 100% of our television rights, and that's the greatest thing, having 100% ownership. But as a person who's been in business many, many years, had some successes and had some failures, going at it alone and owning 100% of very little is a terrible idea compared to owning half of a ton because that's what the Big Ten and the SEC have done, partnering up with ESPN and Fox. They own between 49 and 51%, depending on the conference, and they're distributing way more money than the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is going to be over a billion dollars behind in distributed money in less than 10 years. It's absolutely despicable. And the most important ability in life that I've learned is availability, whether you're life, sports, any of that. And when you're not available, you have no value. Let's take, for example, with the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, one of the best basketball players in the world. I hold more value to the Brooklyn Nets if I were on the team than Kevin Durant because he's hurt. He can't play. He can't score. He's useless at this point in time. And the Pac-12 is only available in 18 million homes. 18 million. And it's not on DirecTV. It's not on any of the major uh, cable channels. Not on Hulu, Amazon Prime, any of YouTube TV, any of the major distribution channels. 18 million homes. Like you're talking comparatively to over 100 million homes for all of the other conferences. Over 100 million. Do you realize how you're a fraction of what the rest of the conference is doing? And then you get bad game time slots, Thursday night games, Friday night games with your marquee teams, Oregon, USC, playing at these weird old times. It's terrible. This dude is a grifter who's been trying to get more years in charge. And this today, with the 88 people getting laid off, only echoes how bad the, the announcement was about two years ago when he called an announcement for the company. And everybody thought that they were going to announce a deal with uh, DirecTV or a some or the some other distribution channel. But no, he got on. Hey, man, four more years. I got a new contract. I'm excited to be leading you. Yeah, everybody thought that that sucked because it did. On now to something else that sucked. Marcus Morris, Clippers player, brother of Markeith Morris. He stepped on Luka Doncic's ankle on purpose in the game yesterday. 
And it was clear as day. And as an athlete, because I tweeted at him too. I was like, yo, well, because Emmanuel Acho was the person who I originally saw the video posting. And then Marcus came back at Emmanuel Acho. Oh, I'm 10 years in. I would never do this. I respect for the game, blah, blah, blah. But here's the truth. We have all as athletes done something that we're not proud of. We lost our cool in a game. You do something. Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr. You, I mean, the greats even have done it. One time when I was playing uh, football, I think I was playing with the Jaguars at the uh, time. I was very mad about something. I don't remember what I was upset about, but I pancaked this dude in the end zone and I got up and I kicked him and was talking trash to him like, you don't ever do that. Like, and then after I had to go apologize and that's kind of what Markeith Morris did or the Clippers are just absolutely terrified of Luca and they're trying to get him out because that's what went through Markeith Morris's mind. He was like, oh, this is an opportunity and he screwed up. But when you screw up, you have to take your medicine. Sorry, Marcus Morris, you messed up. The Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. Little more of a heavier subject. They are considering boycotting their game one of their second round series. The players have had meetings. They've been talking. And I get it. And this is on the heels of Jacob Blake shooting. I get it. I get the desire to, you know, like feeling feeling like you don't want to just continue with your normal life and act as if everything is cool. Because, but the biggest impact an athlete can have is playing. Going out, play ball ball out you have millions of people's attention at that point in time and then you can have a platform to say what it is that you have to say and the other point is that the game is going to be made up anyway it's not like they're just going to skip game one and it's just going to go in the trash no the game will be made up days later so you've actually boycotted a game that you're going to go out and play on the back end anyway when the entire point is for you to make a statement. And I get that when things are going on around you, it doesn't feel okay to just go about like like everything's fine. Like we're just out here just just not participating. We're just going on, just putting our blinders on. But that's not what you're doing. Remember Kyrie Irving, he didn't want he was concerned about playing at all because he said he didn't want to take attention from what was going on in the country. And from then till now, I stand by the point that as a professional athlete, your biggest platform is while you're playing. And it's never greater. Like, it's never greater. Think about Peyton Manning, for example. Peyton Manning, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If somebody were doing an interview with him and Tom Brady, even though Peyton Manning's way more entertaining than Tom Brady, People want to hear what Tom Brady has to say more because he's the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he can talk about his team, talk about his past team, talk about history, greatness, all this. He's just got more things that people are interested in currently. Baker Mayfield 
is more relevant, if you will, and people want to hear from him more than they want to hear from Peyton Manning. And these two dudes aren't even in the same stratosphere as far as the type of quarterback that they are. Just your platform is never bigger while you're playing. So that's why I wanted the NBA players to play. I want the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics to play because it makes sense. It actually gives you a voice to go stand out and play and talk and be able to share your opinion while people are listening and while they care. That goes on to what happened uh, today. Notre Dame posted a picture with a player with a raised fist say and with a little sticker on it that said Black Lives Matter. And it's amazing to me how difficult it is for some people to have conversations about race and America. They turn it into an issue, an economics issue and a ratings issue because they don't want to acknowledge what's happening out in the world. But at this point in time, you can't sit idly by and ignore it. Police force has got to get cleaned up. They have to be held accountable. They do. But then people will turn it into an economics and a ratings issue. Well, Fox News is outrating the NBA. Yeah, but the truth is the NBA still sells ads at three to five times the rate than they do on any other channel, on news channels, especially Fox News. It's just the truth. Like People want athletes and universities to shut up and dribble. Just entertain them. They can comment on them, but then they, but then how dare they have an opinion about anything outside of their sport? If you want politics to stay out of sports, tell politics to stay out of sports. If you get what I'm saying, because politics has always been a part of sports. I just testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about name, image, and likeness as it relates to college sports and right after me was gambling in college sports. So politics is being involved in sports right there. They're litigating all of this. It's involved. You will get people saying that these athletes, these millionaire athletes, they hate America. They hate what America stands for. No, that's not true. Like hone in right here. Listen to this. I believe America is the greatest place to live, has more opportunity than anywhere on the planet. There's more freedom of speech. The government is not as oppressive as it is in other places. But at the same time, America has never been great for all its citizens. Women, black people, black women, brown people. It's the truth. Both of those things can exist at the same time. And it's okay to have these conversations. It's okay to look back, which I understand how difficult it can be to look back and say, Oh, grandpa Joe, I love him, but he was not a good man. Even though he may have treated me right, he was not a good man out in the world. And that is okay. I get it. Because I was a person who was super close with my grandfather. Loved this dude. Loved him. But then after he died, I found out some things about him and his past. About how he treated my grandmother, how he treated my my, my father. All of that. 
It didn't change how much I loved him, but it just, I understood that he was a flawed man. And that doesn't mean that, that my love is less for him, but facts are just facts. And I do thank my father for not tainting me with that because he gave me an opportunity to love him, but it is what it is. So we can say that we love our country because this is all I know. I don't have history and roots back that, that I can trace back like some Italian Americans, Japanese Americans, Armenian Americans, where they know their family history generations back. My, my, my customs, black people's customs here are, are Nathan's hot dog eating contests and sports. That's what we got. And it's okay to acknowledge that systematic racism exists and not try to put blinders on because just because we aren't black people still in chains and that there's no state segregation. And yeah, we have some black millionaires that doesn't mean that everything is fixed. Is there more opportunity? Yes. Is there any excuse not to do your best to overcome your circumstances? No. Is it significantly harder at times? Yes. And truthfully, the two groups of people that have the most difficulty understanding this are poor white people and upper middle class people because poor white people, they know that they came from the muck. They came from the slums and it was hard for them. And police brutality for them is real as well because it's a socioeconomic issue and a race issue. They just only have to deal with one of those things. And so for poor white people, they look at black people, they're like where they hear black people say, oh, it was so hard. We were poor, this and that. And they're like, so was I. I came from the dirt. But the difference is, is that you only had to deal with one of the obstacles, not with both. And for upper middle class people, a lot of them, they believe that they got where they got exclusively through hard work. Not that they didn't work hard, but they don't realize all the time that being born into advantageous circumstances helped them. Being involved, being born into two parent homes with professionals, all these things that they helped you out. Being going to the right school district, all of these things helped you out. And they want athletes and universities to shut up and dribble, and it's not happening. It is not going to happen. And we have to fix the police force. We have to clean it up because they need to be trained to de-escalate and not fear black and brown people. It's just the truth. Um, and so many times people will try to make excuses. Oh, he feared for his life and all of that. Being a police officer or in law enforcement is a very, very difficult job. It is. I didn't sign up for that job. Some of my family members have, some of my friends have, and I recognize how difficult it is. But at the same time, if you are this afraid, you as an individual that afraid, then that's not the job for you. It's just not. And slavery, disenfranchised people, poor people of all races. I mean, like, when, when, when you look at drugs, crime, throwing black and brown people in jail, this is why there is more crime in certain communities because of history. 
And when economics aren't right in the community, crime follows, regardless of whether you're black, brown, white, blue, whatever it is, that's what happens in those communities. And then there was the war on drugs. It was a war on drugs, mass incarceration till it hit suburbia. Then it was an epidemic and it is okay for us to have these conversations. It is perfectly fine. We just have to be willing to have those uncomfortable conversations so then we can get things fixed. It is not an affront to your sports because the sports are still going to happen as they are. The games go on regardless of the, the, the social justice messages on the back, what they're speaking about. You don't have to listen, but here's the truth. You can either get with it or you can get run over by it because it's not going anywhere and it's not messing up your game and sports have always been involved with politics and vice versa. Last point up today is my parting shot and my parting shot is at pandemic P Paul George. And it's funny the name pandemic P for the way he's been playing in the playoffs in game two, three, and four was, I mean, it was bad. The dude was terrible. But Paul George had this to say. He said, the bubble got the best of him. He was in a dark place and he just wasn't really there. That's what he said. That's not, that's not hyperbole. That's what he said. And before I even saw the quote from him, I tweeted out the other day that he needed a sports psychologist because they work. This dude couldn't hit water if he threw the, the basketball off a boat standing in the middle of the ocean. He couldn't hit anything. He was awful. And you could tell, well, I could tell that it was something going on mentally. And I appreciated Paul George for sharing that because it's hard to really be transparent and honest, but it highlighted a bigger issue is that people don't always realize that athletes are human beings. We go through things that the same things that other people that they go through out in the real world. It's just the reality. It's what it is. But there are so many people. Um, I saw one of my friends. He tweeted out former N NBA player Ryan Hollins. He said, why does it seem like people are rooting for Paul George to fail? And I thought about it a second. And I was like, I don't think it's about him specifically failing. I think people just like extremes. And but it doesn't always take into account how people feel as human beings. Because I had a teammate in high school. We played uh, against Crenshaw High School. This dude missed a layup at the end of the game. He had a couple choices. He could have passed the ball to me, dunked the ball, or laid the ball up. I mean, he had a couple different options. It was going to be a game-winning, buzzer-beater kind of deal. Dude was 6'6", six, six, physically impressive, going to go to college and play, all of this. He missed the layup. Mind you, I was upset about it. I go on to go play college football, go to go on to go play in the NFL, all of this. I come back home like years and years later asking, yo, what, what happened to dude? Turns out he ended up having to go to therapy, had to go see sports psychologists, psychologists, all of that, and was basically done with basketball despite having scholarship offers because 
This took such a mental effect on him. And the point is, players are human beings. It's cool to laugh because it's entertainment. But at the end of the day, we have to be human and try to make sure that we are, you know, taking the taking the jokes, taking the uh, the the light moments, and also at the same time realizing that these are people too. Peace out. Catch you guys Friday.